Welcome back to Sing Those Cubby Blues. We're happy to be back because we actually have news to report this time. The Cubs made a signing. They did. Uh, it was Brian Dunsing. Yeah, Brian Dunsing. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad he's back. I'm I'm happy with Brian Dunsing. Two years Good seven million. Two years seven million. That's that's uh that's. That that's pretty a pretty good deal for a good left-handed reliever. Yeah, I have no qualms with that. Yeah, good to have him back. He's a he surprised me last year, and I know we've said it a thousand times in this podcast. He surprised me. I didn't think he was good. He turned in a great year. The Cubs rewarded him with millions of dollars. Um, so we all know that. That's not the only thing that happened. Right, yeah, no, like... <laughs> Let's talk about the other thing. We're teasing, okay, the less important of the two, but still very important, you Darvish, everyone. Woohoo! We're all living... You Darvish. It's you's world, and we're all living in it. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so the best thing, I think, to go start with is just an initial reaction... From I guess from both of us, I'll, we'll just we'll start with you. Like what? When he finally like when the rumors started coming in, I guess a little while back, and I know we did kind of talk about it, but did you ever think that it was going to be the point where you're happy for you, Darvish, and you're happy for the Cubs? Was there ever a point that you thought that's what it was going to be, or was it just going to be a oh man, I don't know? No, I think like. I think for a while I've been sort of resigned to the fact that you Darvish was probably not going to make the kind of money I thought he should have made. Like I was fairly certain the Cubs were going to get him and I think it became more and more evidently clear over the weeks and months that it was going to be at a cost we were all going to probably be pretty happy with. Now the initial the the ultimate result ended up being even better than I had honestly thought. But those final rumors in the lead in the few days leading up to his signing had been that the difference for Darvish was like that he wanted a sixth year, but not necessarily that much more money. And the contract he ended up signing with the Cubs actually squares with that. That like yeah. there was a report that was about like he was being offered like five one twenty five and he wanted like six one thirty or something. Mm-hmm. And we might say why and well I don't know, guy wants to keep playing baseball. <laughs> like that that could be it. Also like it's never bad to like secure money in like that sixty year like it I mean it really it this is an incredible deal. Six years one twenty six with S potential escalators to maybe bring it up to one fifty. But if he pitches well enough to hit those escalators, like we're all gonna be really, really happy. He's got the opt-out after two, which, again, if he pitches well enough to opt-out after two years at his age, where he'll be, like, 34 going on 35, essentially, like, we're all going to be super thrilled, you know? And even if he doesn't opt-out, even if he just pitches really well but not necessarily well enough to opt-out, we're all probably going to be pretty thrilled with the contract because you're guessing you're going to get at least two really great years, probably a third pretty solid year. And if you have to pay for his declining years, I mean, that's what competitive teams do. You know, that's what a team in the cycle of competitiveness does is you pay for that 
you know, I saw Craig Calcaterra on Twitter uh, facetiously congratulating the Dodgers and Yankees on winning the payroll league. And, you know, that's kind of the way I feel like, yeah, the Cubs spent a lot of money in free agency this offseason, but they had the money to spend, and they're in a cycle of competitiveness that allows them to do that. You can't say that their signings didn't make the team better definitively than they wouldn't than they would have been otherwise would have been Brandon Morrow is a huge upgrade Steve Ciszek is an upgrade bringing back Brian Dunsing is a huge deal uh you know getting Tyler Chatwood is a good deal you know even if he only lives up to being like a fourth or fifth starter if he pitches like that he'll be worth his contract and uh and of course you I mean you is a I mean that's the biggest one right you know that we have four pitchers in this rotation who you could arguably say are an a, are the ace. You could have four ace caliber pitchers this year. You know, I mean, like that is a really ridiculous rotation, and you know, I think it's gonna com- you know it's gonna compete with the Astros rotation. It's gonna compete with the Indians rotation. It's gonna be a very competitive rotation in that regard. Yankees have a good one, but the Cubs do too. It's like the Cubs' rotation is up there now. I mean, you know, and it you you've flown along. I wanted to yeah, sorry, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. You flew out there to. All right, we're talking about the rotation. We haven't even talked about you, Darvish, yet. Yeah, (laughs) but there's. I mean, there's nothing wrong. I I completely agree. To me, and that was the one of the first things that hit my mind. Because the first thing I did when the U Darvish signing broke, you know, I saw a text message on my phone from Ken Rosenthal. The notifications on. Got to have the notifications on in the off season. Um, you know, U Darvish officially signs with Cubs. I jumped up and ran out of the room. I was shouting yes because U Darvish is the kind of pitcher that that takes this rotation specifically from good. NLCS, but not really competitive to great, one of the best, or if not the best rotation in baseball. And so my first thought was, I sat down and I said, okay, what do we have? Darvish, Quintana, Lester, Chatwood, Hendricks, Montgomery. I was like, that that's the best, ro- like, I, I don't see anybody with a five that's Man, that guy, yeah, he could probably be a really good pitcher, you know, now that you're getting him out of Coors Field. <laughs> Nobody else has that. Nobody else has Kyle Hendricks going on the fourth day, who was, what, second or third in the Cy Young a couple years ago? Nobody else has John Lester, who's never been in on the DL or been on the DL one time in his whole career, who's been a Cy Young type. And a... This is such a great thing because early in the offseason, the UF sign or Jed Hoyer, one of them, said – you generally don't want to dip into the free agent market and pull big name pitchers, but once every three years. They were like, that's kind of how, because you'll have the new one cycling in, he'll have a couple of good years while the old other one is getting older. And that's exactly what they did here with John Lester and you Darvish. John Lester, he's now the veteran, he's the ace, he's the anchor, and you Darvish is coming in. With the new, he's new. He's the guy who throws a lot of strikeouts. But I can envision you, Darvish, in the future, being the the anchor, the ace, the guy who his strikeout numbers have declined, but he's still generating soft contacts. He's not walking anybody because he's you, Darvish, and he's a, 
got crazy movement on his pitches. I just I love the potential, and I love the the way the salary breaks down. So we can kind of do that. That that got released yeah. today along with yeah. the um, along with you, you Darvish will be number eleven. And I they had the press conference today. I watched that. Yeah. So he he seems like a really good guy. He's a fun guy. He gave really good an- answers. Um, Theo really really likes him. He was raving about him the whole time. He seemed really uh, he seemed very anxious to get out to like the practice fields and like he basically went directly from there to uh, like there's the pictures of him shaking hands with Jason Hayward and mm-hmm. and then he went out and he was throwing and mm-hmm. so the, the salary is interesting and I think we can even talk about that combined with you know how what why didn't other teams pay this contract why didn't other teams best this contract I mean I think I think why other teams didn't is literally just like there's a lot of like kind of BSing going on in baseball right now with teams essentially saying like they can't afford it. Mm-hmm. You know, that luxury tax threshold, yeah, the penalties become steep, but I mean, the biggest market teams have the ability to pay that. Right. And here's my thought and, and I, I believe I believe the Cubs are going to be over the luxury tax coming next season. I think that's inevitable, but I think also going over the luxury tax next season are the Yankees, the Dodgers, some of these te- the Giants, some of these teams that have gone under because they were over the last couple of years, they are now back going under because when you go under for a year, it resets. So their thought was this crop isn't that good. You Darvish is the only, you know, you know, you Darvish, Jake Arrieta, the only really good pitchers out there. We don't want to pay $20 million a year for Alex Cobb. He's not going to move the needle for us that much, especially for the Yankees, the the Dodgers. And if they were already starting out on Jake on Yu Darvish, even though they were the reports were the Dodgers had a deal for him, the Dodgers deal was five years, four years. I just – I think that the only team that was situated up for the couple of things that Yu Darvish was looking for, which was needs starting pitcher – and can afford to pay a hundred, you know, can afford to go six years. The Cubs can afford to go six years. They have no problem with. I don't think that I was that was a problem. It was when we got up to seven years that I was starting to get nervous, or if it was going to be six years, one sixty, one seventy, like MLB trade rumors had at the beginning of the offseason. That made me nervous. Yeah. But as this breaks down, twenty five million in the first year, twenty two million next year, twenty two, twenty three for the next two or three years. And then it's like 2019-18. Yeah, no, I mean, and that makes sense for a contract breakdown. You know, it does. You know, it should keep Darvish happy late into the contract. uh, And he'll make a lot of money up front. And then what happens is... As that contract goes, the Cubs get more financial space. I love the way the deal is structured because the contract feel it should be front loaded like this. It should be he gets he should get paid more this season than any other season he plays because his this season is technically his best the best he's going to be. You know, and once you hit 32, 33, that's when you generally start declining 
And if he happens to be better in one of those seasons, well, he got paid for this season here the biggest amount. Yeah. But he's still getting – like, let's not <laughs> undersell it. This guy is coming off of Tommy John surgery a year and a half ago. He's he's played one full season since then, and that was not his best season. But he also got traded midseason, which allows the Cubs to keep their competitive pick. Uh, and then gain one when Jake Arrieta signs another team. Uh, the escalators are all Cy Young based. So if you Darvish is competing for a Cy Young, he's obviously going to get paid more. But if he's competing for a Cy Young, we are, we are stoked. Yeah, obviously, because like, if Darvish is competing for a Cy Young, then in my honest opinion, that'll give the Cubs two definite Cy Young competitors in the NL. In you, Darvish, and Jose Quintana. Are you counting three? You going with Kyle I Hendricks? I count three. I count Kyle Hendricks. Hendricks has already finished third in the Cy Young. Oh, I said definitive, you know. I like I Kyle. I think Kyle Hendricks is definitive. Oh, well, he might be. I mean, that's the <laughs> it, thing, right? He would and, have to pull out another 2016. And, if, I, it, and if Lester bounces back to 2015-2016 level, he could be too. Like, that's... And, and, he and, pro- recall, and, and, and all the indicators say he probably will. So I, 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 on, I don't know, you know. I bet on Lester bouncing back. I don't think he'll ever bounce back to Cy Young quality. But Tyler, one of Tyler Chaplin. I don't know, man. Those projections for him are mighty good. Yeah, he is. He well, they trust him from two years. His 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 2015 and 2016 seasons were like his second and third best year ever. So we've had. Quite literally, the best John Lester has ever been. And then with this year, we had one of his worst years last year. If that was all World Series fatigue, I bet on John Lester to have another really good season. He's just reliable and he's solid. But just just remember now, Tyler Chatwood's original contract had an incentive for him finishing up in the Cy Young race. The Cubs think he can be a Cy Young guy. Whether or not he is, to be seen. For sure, but I I re, I think Tyler Chatwood pitching kind of without any pressure. He's the five. He is the by far the least pressured of anybody in this rotation. He could really excel. I think that there's a lot of upside there. I think for one, the Cubs see something in his pitch mix that can be changed. Largely because he had to use a different mix in Coors Field, and it was not the optimal one for him. And two, he's already, you know, people are talking about him like the guy hasn't been a useful pitcher. He has been. He's been a useful starting pitcher. I don't know where anyone gets the idea that he hasn't been, but he has been. That's not saying he's a Cy Young candidate, but he's been useful. Mm Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this is up and down. I mean, with Darvish in the fold, it's a great rotation. And, you know, I I just love where it's at. You know, I love what it does. I mean, our projections jumped. I mean, Zips had us at 58.4% for division, for NL Central winning odds. It jumped up to over 71%, which when you consider... That the Cardinals are not a bad team, and that the Brewers are probably expected to at least be kind of like halfway decent. That's really pretty good. 
<laughs> you know, that that's that leaves an only 29% chunk for them to divide between themselves for odds there. And I personally love that. And, <laughs> I mean, our World Series odds jumped. Our playoff odds jumped. Everything jumped way up with the addition of Darvish. And it's not hard to see why. You know, because it wasn't that I felt bad about Montgomery being a fifth starter. I don't think anybody would have felt horrible specifically about him being in the rotation. I think what a, what what it does is it has has ripple effects. Without him in the bullpen, you're lacking a good swingman, long reliever, guy who puts out the fires, left-handed pitcher, which he's been really good at, and we need that. Also, your sixth starter options would not be as good or as proven as Mike Montgomery. The innings you would no doubt hand off to somebody, not Mike Montgomery, to Jen Hotsang, to maybe Eddie Butler, to Alec Mills, to even Adbert Alzelay. These guys are not proven in the same way. Montgomery, we know that he can be successful as a starter at the major league level. We know that he can be a good swingman. If we have to plug him into the rotation for an injury at some point, nobody's going to feel too terrible about that. We're going to feel like he can come in and give us really solid starts right out of the gate. Uh, you know, and he improves the bullpen a lot, and that it just improves everything, you know. The number of innings that you'd be projected to hand out to subpar relievers goes down. The number of innings you'd be projected to hand out to subpar starters goes down. Uh, and then, you know, on its face also adding Darvish, you know, just, just the effect <laughs> of adding Darvish himself, you know. So it's so it's like threefold the improvements. And we knew yeah. that. I think we knew the Cubs weren't going to let the off season end without making another upgrade in the rotation. But I'm really happy that it's Darvish because I think he was the best starting pitcher out on the market. I think that, uh, you know, I think now was the time to strike. I don't think it would have been too easy for the Cubs to say we're just going to wait till next off season and go sign Clayton Kershaw or Dallas Keuchel. First of all, that wouldn't have been a given. And secondly, like, you needed pitching now. You know, you needed an impact pitching now. This was a good time to impact.
But uh, yeah, I mean Darvish. What I mean. So like we've talked about that contract. We've talked about him. You know, uh, the impact it has on the whole team projections. Uh, you know, I mean, and it has you know it has an impact on long term planning too. I think that kind of as the offseason wore on, I kind of began to feel like you Darvish was a better option as we went. And at the beginning of the offseason, we can look back to when we recorded with Greg. We called the offseason's going to be slow. The players are going to take smaller deals than we thought they were going to take than they were projected for. Those two things happened, just like we called at the time – we all projected you Darvish somewhere else. We I don't think any of us said you Darvish to the Cubs. I can check that. Um, but at the time, where'd it go? Oh well. At the time, it was very um, up in the air, and none of us were really sure. Oh, is you Darvish the best option? Well, maybe we should just resign Jake Arrieta. We know what we've got. It should not be understated that you Darvish is coming off an injury. He's coming off of one of his worst seasons. He's coming off that World Series performance, which was bad. He was good in the NLDS against the Cubs. He referenced it today, too. He referenced Kyle Schwarber hit a home run off him. It was the only run he gave up against us. And he said, man, I just want to talk to Kyle Schwarber and figure out how he hit that home run. <laughs> I he's He seems like a fun guy where he can – think about something that was negative it was the only negative thing about his start against the cubs pick that out and say that was cool even though it was bad that shows mental toughness he can recollect on something bad and improve from it he can recollect on the world series they talked about this they can recollect on the world series and turn it around you darvish was talking today about how he believed that the cubs had stuff he'd never seen before which that is something we probably need to just – the Cubs have stuff that the Dodgers don't have, that the Rangers don't have, that you Darvish never knew about for, you know, getting outs and stuff. And, and Theo is just adoring, adoring his strikeout rate, his spin rate, his curveball. I mean, he was doting on you Darvish, and it was awesome. And when you see that combined with the Cubs have stuff that other people don't have – it gives me this kind of sense of excitement when I see that Jose Quintana came over to the Cubs and had his best half season ever. Yeah. And then, so now you're adding you Darvish, who's got all this talent. He's yeah. got these huge movement on his pitches. I mean, he throws 97, 95, 97. I mean, he can get the fastball up there, and that fastball is going to have high spin. He can make his slider look just like his fastball. He's got a curveball that can turn into an EFIS. I want to see that. The Cubs might want to see that too, and I, it, so one of the things that the Dodgers did was they took they reduced his curveball. I think Chris Jimenez said they reduced the amount of usage on his curveball, and they dropped his arm slot. That was uh, Brandon Miller from uh, Cubs Related wrote about how they dropped Yu Darvish's arm slot, which is what it was right before he had Tommy John. And Yu Darvish is talking about making changes talking about doing what the Cubs want. The Cubs are talking about their plan for you, Darvish. That gets me really excited, especially because the Cubs have already planned out 
you know, we want you to, you know, we, we'll pay you if you're in the Cy Young race. And you Darvish has accepted that as a challenge to say, I can win the Cy Young. I, I, I just feel so encouraged by how this deal looks from the incentives to the, the structure of the contract where it kind of decreases in value. I mean, there's nothing bad about this at all. If you Darvish goes in and goes down immediately, there's, that's just, that's just what happens. There's nothing we can do about it. But barring something catastrophic, I feel like he might have one of his best seasons ever. I feel like this rotation becomes just, I mean, and we just talked about it, how much better it made the playoff odds. I think you Darvish could be in for one of his best seasons ever this year. I'm so encouraged. I mean, of course I am too, you know. I mean, like, everything about this is just perfect, and... You know, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm still like processing my feelings on this, you know, I'm glad, I'm so happy, you know, I didn't get to like properly celebrate this, like I was, I was out traversing a nearby vacation town, like I was on a mini trip with Jamie for our third yeah. anniversary. We were celebrating our third anniversary weekend. And so I'm in downtown Nashville, Indiana, walking from fudge shop to fudge shop. They have a lot of fudge shops, let me tell you. <laughs> and I... And that news breaks, right? I I don't even know what's happening. I'm just taking everything in. I When I finally take out my phone... About like 10 minutes after the news broke, and I see it on my phone, I see the notification, I'm like, god damn. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, you know, I, I think I spent the next 45 minutes ranting to Jamie about my feelings about this. Um, you know, she she was not amused, as she is a White Sox fan, um, but, uh, you know, I was very happy that this was a good day i was i was celebrating my third anniversary i was i you darvish signed with the cubs like god damn you know Han <laughs> hanukkah come early man jesus <laughs> oh god this is a good you know or hanukkah come late uh, if you really want to go that way yeah i mean yeah this would have been a good hanukkah this is you know my late hanukkah present yeah this is the this yeah. is the present yeah. oh yeah oh man yeah just, oh, this is, it's just, yeah. It is not, it is amazing. Because I don't think that there has been a Cubs free agent signing, aside from John Lackey, that made me, that didn't make me immensely excited. This has been a very, very odd time period of Cubs baseball, where from 2014 offseason, when we signed John Lester, through now, we have had one free agent signing that I didn't agree with. That was John Lackey. The entire rest of it has been positive. I think about Lester, Ross, Hayward, you know, Dexter coming back. I, you know, um, Dunsing even, just Tyler Chatwood, uh, Brandon Morrow, everybody who signed. Koji Uehara last year. I was like, oh, yeah, let's try out Koji Uehara. That'll be fun. Like, 
there was so much there have been so much this front office has done so well and they have never made me feel like oh man i don't know about that deal the john lackey deal was the only one right and i initially i had bad reaction to ben's over seal i mean i've and been then ben's over had his i think second best season ever in 2016 i think and the, so i i can't i, I think can't i think the it. best thing you can say about a front office is when the deals they make you can see the logic to it there's a clear baseball logic to it Every move they've made, there's been a clear baseball logic to it. There's been, clearly the process was good. The decision-making process behind it was good. Most of them have worked out. The few minor failures they've had have mostly been unforeseeable, and the fact is just that baseball is weird sometimes. Like, sometimes things just happen, and you can't stop that. But... right. I mean, they've got this good, clear baseball-making logic. And now they're, you know, they're ahead of the other big market teams now. Because mm-hmm. they've got Darvish. They've got their rotation. For You know, Chatwood's on a three-year deal. Darvish is on a six-year deal. Lester is, Lester's three got more three more years. Uh, Quintana's got, including this year, three more years. <laughs> Hendricks has what? Three more? Three more. Yeah. The the rotation. The rotation is locked is, in it's for three set. Years. It's set. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can go out next off season and compete for Machado or Harper. You know, we mm-hmm. can do that. We can do that in earnest. Because we're gonna blow past the luxury tax threshold, and I think the Cubs will be in on guys like Andrew Miller too. I. Absolutely. I think so. Yeah, I absolutely expect Craig them Kimbrell. to be. Yeah, I expect them to be I, in on the top level of relievers. I do. I um, am a huge. I think I might want them to get Craig Kimbrell more than I want them to get Harper. Uh, <laughs> the money's so, gonna. The money's gonna be there, and yeah, and and they are in that better place, you know, like because they just waited for all the other teams to decide they just didn't want to bid on Darvish. You know, I mean, they would have upped their offer if they had had to, because mm-hmm. he was priority number one. They would have made it happen. The Cubs were probably willing to go to 150, 155, but they didn't have to. Nobody forced them to. That's what's really incredible to me. You know, the thing is, I try to track how I felt when the off season started versus now, and like... None of us thought about Darvish as a target in the beginning very much because it didn't seem plausible. You know, like, it seemed like Cobb was a good fit. It seemed like the fit was perfect. We were bringing in Jim Hickey. It made sense. He was going to cost less money. It would help to set the rotation, and it would help for us in being able to compete for Bryce Harper next offseason, because we were expecting you, Darvish, to get like $175 million. Yep. And you could still make the argument he maybe should have. I, I wouldn't make that argument. Here's why. John Lester got 155 and John Lester had never, ever been on the DL. Yeah. I, I think they're pretty comparable pitchers. They're both mid-3 ZRA guys going, you know, before, 
career mid three ZRA, mid three three, three four. FIP good, strikeout rate reasonable, walk rate low. Darvish's strikeout rate's higher than Lester's. Lester has a lot more innings pitched. And their, you know, their overall values have been real similar. They're on about the same age. I think Lester's actually a year younger when he hit his as well. So on the surface, if I look at what the Cubs gave John Lester and what the Cubs gave you Darvish, they're very comparable. Six years, total 150. You know, if you stay healthy, if you're really good, you'll get six years 150. And for John Lester, we know you're going to stay healthy. We don't need to give you incentives. Six years 155. I, I don't, I don't really have an issue with it being this way at all. I think it's fair for Darvish and the 6160 was the overall projection and the Cubs, he can finish just 10 million short of that. And what's 10 million when you have 150 million dollars? I, I, I don't, I don't think he's underpaid. I didn't say he was underpaid. I just think that relative to expectations, you would have expected more. You know, and especially over six years, it's a 21 million AAV, which, I mean, as as has been pointed out, is much lower than we've expected a pitcher of Darvish's caliber to receive in free agency. And, you know, it's amazing the position this leaves the Cubs in, because Quintana is cost-controlled. Hendricks is cost controlled and the Darvish contract is not too onerous mm-hmm. and neither is the Chatwood contract I don't think so the kind of money that saves you is really incredible you know to have mm-hmm. I mean like especially you know Theo even talked about it that he viewed the acquisition of Quintana as like acquiring one and a half pitchers because of the cost control that it would allow them to go after somebody this off season from that Darvish Arietta tier. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how when we started the off season nobody really knew the Cubs' real plans. You know, it maybe wasn't always that it was fixation on Darvish. They had Arietta out there too, and Cobb as a fallback plan. But like those those early reports putting together Cobb and the Cubs like the Cubs really wanted Darvish. That's that's what it seems like. I that was what the one thing that made me really surprised today was when Theo said our plan all offseason was you Darvish. Yeah, I mean it goes to show that like nobody really knows what Theo's thinking, but like he said it at the trade before the trade deadline this year, he wanted more pitching. Theo means what he says. If he says, I want more pitching, I want more impact pitching, don't ever figure that he's <laughs> t- not telling you the truth. Theo decides to go on the record. He means what he says. He said, I want impact pitching. He got Jose Quintana. And then he came out this off season and he got Brandon Morrow, Steve Ciszek, re-upped Brian Dunsing. And- hey about these guys that you Darvish we think he's going to get even better we think you Charlie Chatwood's going to be even better it's just man they are excited about it and I mean it should be you know it's a really really big deal to have you in the fold 
He's mm-hmm. an excellent pitcher, and he's going to make this team so much better. And, you know, like I said, the cost savings here are really big, and, you know, there's no way that the Cubs aren't going to be active in free agency next off season now, too. And, you know, that's, it's exciting that this is a great team that's only going to get better. Uh, yeah. I completely agree. So I have, I pulled up the comp- the competitive balance tax um, rules as de- defined by MLB.com. So I kind of want to go over this because I think it's really relevant when you look forward to next season and when we look at what this did for the Cubs. So 2018's uh, threshold for the luxury tax, where if you go over, you have to start paying overages, is $197 million. 2019's offseason, so at the end of the 2019 season, whether you went over or not, that threshold is $206 million. And then 2020 is 208 2021 is $210 million. So the Cubs have a $10 million boost to their under-the-luxury-tax before next season even starts. The only reason I find that beneficial is that let's say you sign – let's say you take the current team – I don't think there's many people who are going to leave by next season. I think we have like one or two deals. Maybe you'll lose the two million off Justin Grimm next season. You might even lose that in spring. Um, there's a couple more that maybe would go after one year. Chris Jimenez, but he's even on the for more than a million. If you add say 40 million for Bryce Harper from where they are right now, which is 180, you would be under the minimum, like the first level which is where if you exceed the threshold, you just pay, I think, 12%. And it says clubs that exceed the threshold by $20 million to $40 million are subject to a 12% surtax. The other thing it says, club exceeding the competitive balance tax threshold for the first time must pay a 20% on all overages. So they'd be paying 20% on the Bryce Harper money, but they wouldn't also have to pay the 12% on top of it if it was just Bryce Harper next season. Right. But if they but they're getting ten million dollars to play with, but then you gotta think, until they reach the twenty to forty million overage or the forty million plus overage, the tax is pretty innocuous. It's just twenty percent. Uh and once you start doing multiple seasons is when the uh the those figures start to rise and escalate, or if you're twenty to forty to plus million over. But the Cubs are currently sitting at 180 million. I think this year it's actually going to be higher. It's going to be like 185 because Darvish gets 25 million, and then it'll drop back down because Darvish's salary kind of come, fluctuates. If you're signing Bryce Harper for 40 million dollars, you will only have to pay that original 20 percent the first year, and then it's a rise to 30 percent the second year. And if you if you drop, I'm trying to figure out what the draft rule is. Okay, clubs that are $40 million or more over the threshold shall have their highest selection in the draft move back 10 places unless the pick falls in the top six. That's the, that's the damage for going over $40 million over the luxury decks. So if the Cubs don't exceed it by $40 million, if they sign Bryce Harper and Craig Kimbrell, let's say Bryce Harper's $40 million exactly from 180 and Craig Kimbrell's 15, 16, to keep their draft picks in the same spot. 
Yeah, I think that I'm not too concerned. You know, I think the Cubs obviously have a plan here. Uh, they're not going to sit out free agency next offseason. They've clearly got a plan. And, you know, part of that was adding Hugh Darvish at a $21 million AAV because that average annual value is really, really good for a pitcher of that caliber. Uh, like we said, you know, uh, the cost of the pitching staff, it may be higher than some staffs, but, like, you know, it's a really good one. Uh, Theo's strategy thus far of, you know, finding value in undervalued guys and then bringing in pitchers who you know are good, utilizing your money to do so has worked wonders you know i think that you know developing pitching is the hardest thing to do you know the teams that have tried to rely solely on developing their young pitching have largely been failures <laughs> um, and that's because <laughs> things go wrong matt, yeah. matt harvey imploded noah Syndergaard got hurt steven matz got hurt zach wheeler may never pitch the same way again. I'm and also there is no such thing as a pitching prospect. Um that much, you know, is something we know about. But the Cubs can also work take this next three years, develop pit young pitching. They have a guy in Albert Adbert Alzale who is close and by proximity for the closeness of the big leagues he makes him a valuable prospect. He's kind of he's slotted in at the back end of some top 100 lists. He's in every top 150 at yeah, this point in baseball. And I think it's going to be a big year developmentally for a lot of the guys who are on the cusp of breaking out as pitching yeah. prospects. Brendan Little, Alex Lang, Thomas Hatch, Oscar De La Cruz, Jose Albertos. Mm -hmm. These guys could be household names. And Edward <laughs> Alzale. You know, I mean, yeah. the Cubs have a crop of young pitching who some of these guys are going to break out this year. I think that curveball is going to shoot through the system and he'll be he'll be ready in a year. Where whether or not the Cubs can find a place for him or will need a place for him at this point doesn't really matter because if you get a guy that good, I think about what the Royals did with Brandon Finnegan. They took this guy went up through the through the minors in a season from TCU, shot up through, pitched in the World Series when they lost the Giants. The next year, they traded him for Johnny Cueto, and they won the World Series. I don't envision that exact thing happening, but a guy a guy that I think can rise through the system. No, he may not. Thomas Hatch might be the guy who rises through the system, or Abdazale. But if you get a guy like that, shoot through the system. Pitch in the big leagues a little bit, and maybe September, and maybe even in the playoffs. He suddenly becomes such an asset that you can make those trades again, those big impact trades at the deadline. If you want, you know, Kyle Schwarber gets hurt. I now, think that, oh, look, Brandon. <laughs> I, th I think that the Cubs, I think we'll see what happens at the deadline, but I think the Cubs are largely not going to make as many big trades going forward. I think they feel pretty set. I think it would take 
some really monumental shifts in what we know about the team in order for the Cubs to feel mm-hmm. they have such a glaring need, they need to make a big deal. Uh, maybe smaller deals are on the table, but this is a roster that looks really good as it stands right now, and the depth of the roster looks really good as it stands right now, and I think we're going to go forward with the young players mostly filling the roles of major league players and not having to trade from within to fill those holes. I think, you know, the fact that you can, I mean, you're j- just thinking about your outfield, the fact that you can come off the bench with a guy like Ian Happ is sort of incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, or Ben Zobrist. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I think Zobrist is going to be a bench piece this year, but in the sense that he'll start twice a week or three times a week and be much more rested. Yeah, and I think the Cubs have even hinted at that. And I think that was always the plan, was after a few years he was going to, you know, they scaled back some of his work last season, and they're going to scale it back even more this year, you know, because Javier Baez continued to look very, very good last year. Uh, And there's really no reason to believe that Javi isn't going to be the most of the time second baseman going forward. Uh, well, the only reason the only reason I could foresee that that wouldn't be the case is if they went ahead and did the Russell Baez swap. Yeah, which but is possible because even of that even so, Baez would still be in the lineup most days. And right, the you know, uh, or you know, if there's an injury in the infield, Baez would have to move around. You know, like mm-hmm. if there's an injury to Chris Bryant, God forbid. If there's an injury to Addison Russell, then Baez is moving over to that spot. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, a, if an injury happened to Chris Bryant, then you're probably looking at a lineup that has Tommy Lastella in there every day at second with Baez playing third. I don't hate that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I... Like, as backup plans go, that is a really solid backup plan. Tom, like Tommy Lastella would start on 20 major league teams. I'm yeah, he's, I'm dead set convinced on it. The guy, he, I feel he, so bad for the guy. He, he can hit, you know. He he can't he's play. He he's not great defensively, but like in the current in the currency of hitting, I mean he he's got that. You know, how he many three ninety OBP last year? I mean I how mean, many? I mean how many teams are putting out like Gold Glove second baseman? You know, like he. Daniel Murphy starts at second base with the Nationals every day. That's and a, there's no way Tommy Lastella is worse than him at second base. That's a good. So. That's a good point. You know, <laughs> all the, the small sample sizes we have for Daniel Murphy playing first are really good. <laughs> yeah, but Daniel Murphy's—he's—he's he's athletic enough to play second base. So in theory, his first base ticks up. But they've got Ryan Zimmerman there, who's an abomination everywhere. So. <laughs> Yeah. You know, but as long as Zimmerman keeps hitting, you know, it doesn't matter to anybody. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, let's, let's. I want to hit, touch on, kind of, who is going to have the maybe not the breakout year, but the good year. Who's, who's the guy? Who's the guy who steps steps forward? I think Schwarber, Schwarber, Hayward, Hayward Almora. Almora. I think that well in terms of are we talking in terms of who's going to be the best of them this year or who 
has the biggest year. Who has the biggest year? Takes the jump from pretty good role player to star every day. One of the top players in the team. You see, the thing that's hardest for me is I think Schwarber got pretty close to that in his debut year in terms of what he did in a limited sample was incredible. And he's probably closer of a hitter to that than he is. It's hard to vote against Schwarber because of what we've already seen him do, because of what his skills appear to be, because of what he did in the second half last season, because of what he did in his debut year, and what he was able to do coming into the World Series cold off of months and months of being out and rehabbing and be able to hit like one of the best hitters on the planet. He's an extraordinary hitter, and we've seen his off-season workout routine, and he said, you know, all of that is about just getting to a place where he's just a little bit better at base running and defense. And he said, like, even if I'm just a little bit better at those, it'll make a big difference in terms of my overall value. And he's not wrong. You know, he's not wrong about that. He wasn't an awful defensive player, I don't think, honestly, but, like, he had room to improve. And he had moments. He had moments of good. He flipped into the stands and made making catches twice. He had moments of great. And you know, and, and he had and, moments of awful. And you know, and I and, just think he was. Eh, and I think getting in better shape is just about you know his longevity as a professional player. You know, his longevity mm-hmm. as a good professional player. You know, he'll be better able to maintain his performance throughout if he is in better shape. And he knows that, and that's really great. And I think of all those guys, he's the guy who takes the step forward. You know, Russell, I think, could take that step forward, but he's already a guy who's had multiple three-war, three-plus-war seasons. So, like, I mean, what, I mean, what, almost specifically with the bat. I yeah, know I mean, Russell, yeah, you know, it's, it's... We both know Russell's a great fielder. Yeah, I mean... I think it's hard to project that, too, because Russell had a few seasons he was basically at league average. So we're not talking about a guy who had been really bad. If he takes the next step forward, he's an, even, he's an MVP candidate, probably. But, <laughs> but, uh, but if we're talking about the guy most likely, it's probably Schwarber. And then of the rest of them, I think Almora. I think Almora has the biggest, I think he has the most to gain. Because Almora, there is no John Jay this year. Yeah. You know, and... Much much to my delight. <laughs> I like John Jay, but he there, should not have ever been leading off. <laughs> John, Jay was, John Jay was there to help put Almora in the position to succeed. And that worked. But Almora, you know, very small sample size in the second half of 70 or so plate appearances. He hit righties. He hit righties well. It doesn't look like he's going to be able to draw many walks against righties, but he was making hard, solid contact. And the way he hits lefties, if he can also just hit righties well enough above league average, he's a great everyday starting player. He's a borderline all-star center fielder. And uh, (laughs) that's I just think he's second to Schwarber in terms of who can break out because we already saw great things from Contreras. We already saw great things from Hap. We've already seen great things from Russell, and all of those guys can take another step forward. Uh, but it's, it's, This is great, 
because my answer was going to be Hayward. So you didn't even say the guy I was going to say. Yeah, hey, I mean, cool. you um, know, the thing about Hayward is, too, that Hayward, before he came to the Cubs, was a six-war player. It's, like, right. hard for me to, like, condition my mind to be, like, the breakout guy is going to be the guy who was literally an MVP caliber player before getting here. Uh, so I... The idea is that we know what Hayward has has had trouble with, but I also know what Hayward can take a step back to being. And that's kind of what I'm looking at is I I think Chili Davis gets in Hayward's head, finally. Someone has to because Hayward's in Hayward's head all the time. And he's making tweets to his swing. He's trying too hard. He's concentrating. He's got... 85 hand movements and 64, you know, shake up and downs as he tries to get to the bat to the ball. I hope Chili Davis gets in his head, gets him relaxed at the plate because this dude is huge. He does not have to swing hard to drive the ball. He does not have to try to pull everything. If Jason Hayward's going the other way, Jason Hayward's hitting the ball hard. Because he's a huge dude with long swing. If that ball, if that bat connects to that ball, he can reach all the way out across the plate and get it. Because he's got six foot four, six foot five arms that can get out to the outside of the part of the plate and drive the ball the other way. I just, if Chili Davis can get in Jason Hayward's head and stop him overthinking himself, Jason Hayward can go back to being that six four player. Easy. I, I don't even think that's a question. The problem is is that we've seen two years of Jason Hayward kind of floundering at the plate, and that gets in my head as, ah, I don't know, Jason Hayward, he might not be able to ever do it. I think he can. And I'm like, all right, if Chili Davis can't fix him, he's probably never fixable, but who cares at that point? You know, he's still a great defensive player. He still, he still gets on base at a 320 clip. It's not unplayable. Last year it was 320, and I figure he might, I mean, even with the Chili Davis mindset, he might still walk a little bit more. So if he's 330, 340, his, his projection was 341. If Hayward's getting on base at 341, there's a leadoff hitter. So, yeah, no, I, I mean, just, I mean, I get it. I get it. Uh, I understand the, the question didn't fit Hayward's description, but... Not in terms really. Of guys I, in terms of guys I think that could take a big step forward, which we know Hayward's taken multiple steps backwards, he would be all, he would be my top play, guy that definitely could take a step forward. But I think every one of those guys could. I still think Javi has some extra development to where he could take a big step forward and become the you know a five war second baseman or shortstop whatever, who cranks out thirty homers and hits three hundred. I would love that, but if I had to pick one of the young guys that's not KB or Rizzo that's going to have the best season guaranteed or even could supplant one of them as, like, a top one or two on the team in offense, Wilson Contreras. Wilson, at the end of last season, his second half, he had, like, a 150 WRC+. And that's really good, especially at catcher. Yeah. So, if Wilson's defense improves, and I think it will. I mean, he was worth three wins above replacement, like 110 games. So, 
we'll see. I, I just there's so much optimism in this young team that we can sit here and talk about how every single player is going to be an all star next year, and we could be right on every count. And we could talk about how most of these players have major flaws, and I'll never be able to see Addison Russell hit over 240. Or, you know, never see Javi Baez walk more than 6% of the time. Like, it's there's, there's a huge variance, but combined, this is the same group we had last year. And Joe talked about this today. Same group we had last year. The chemistry is there. The only guys we're adding are guys that Joe Madden loves. You know, Steve Ciszek. You know, they saw Brandon Morrow and you Darvish dominate us from the Dodgers. They're like, oh gosh, we gotta get them. This, I could not be more excited about this season. I think I'm way more excited about this season than I was last season. Because last season we were celebrating the World Series. I didn't want it to start. I wanted to be the champions forever. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's better that, yeah, I think it's better this year because we get to come at it from that place where we're, where we get to say like it's not we didn't just win the world series you know we were all still thinking a lot about that last season but we should acknowledge this is a team that's made three straight NLCSs and won mm-hmm. a world series in that time that's extraordinary that's incredible and uh yeah, I mean I think that there's a real chance to do it again. I think that we're in a really good spot. I think this team absolutely wins the NL Central, makes the playoffs, and I'm pretty certain that they'll be right back in the NLCS again. You know, the the Dodgers look like good competition. And the Nationals look like good competition. Again, I think that the Cubs, the Dodgers, and the Nationals are going to be the class of the National League. And I, I'm i looking forward to it. You know, I mean, I'm just trying to take this all in, you know, that this is the best Cubs baseball has been in my entire life. It's never been this good. And... You know, I'm just trying to enjoy it. We're going to make the playoffs for four straight years. We're going to, you know, we have a shot to go to our fourth straight NLCS, maybe win a second World Series. And even if we don't win the World Series, I mean, how can I hate this? You know, this is incredible. Being there, having the chance is better than not having the chance at all. It's so much better. I mean, cold comfort to Nationals fans, but but being there is better than not being there. Having this opportunity is just, I'm trying to enjoy the ride. Yeah, It's a crazy ride, but I'm trying to enjoy this. And because I know it, you know, in two or three years, it could all be over. I, you know, I know that that's a, a possibility and... I know that at the end of his contract, Theo will probably move on to being president of Earth or whatever is next <laughs> for him. You know, I mean, I don't even know what that guy can do next. That honestly, like, if I had to guess, like, 
Cleveland Browns, man. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm just saying, like I'm guessing, like he sees that as a challenge. Like, w- think of the greatest challenges in sports, and that's what Theo wants to do. He wants to, mm-hmm. he wants to take something apart and build something back up again. Mm-hmm. And he's proven all he needs to prove in baseball. I mean. He walks away right now. He's the greatest executive the sport has ever seen. There's like no question at this point. He's he has so thoroughly dominated his competition, so completely outfoxed every level of competitor. He's been doing this for so long now. I mean, at the end of it, at the end of his Cubs contract, he will have basically been a GM slash president for 20 years. Weird to think about, but he will have been doing it for 20 years at that point with the highest consistent level of success we've seen of any GM or president in the history, in the history of the sport. Mm. And he's doing it in an era where there are more smart, intelligent, well-versed in analytics, scouting, player development, every facet of the game, GMs and presidents than there ever have been before. He is not he is not the one lone intelligent guy competing against unintelligent people. He is surrounded by some of the best executive talent in the history of the sport and he is still exceeding their capabilities. He is performing at the highest level. And, you know, I love all our players. I love this team. I, man, this is going to be a good season. Pitchers and catchers have reported. Yep. I'm ready for it. I am too. Ready for spring training. Little nugget before we sign off. The Cubs have never been in four consecutive playoffs. Ever. And if we go to the NLCS for the fourth time, that would be – this was the first time ever in our history that we went to three straight NLCSs. And if we go for a fourth time – I mean, if we go to the playoffs at all, that we have never been to four straight playoffs. And that – the last time we were in the playoffs three straight years was, nineteen. I think, 1906, 1907, 1908. Yeah, and uh... – It's – that's just – God. This is the best Cubs team we've ever seen, ever. There's no better Cubs team because of the consistency and the longevity that this team has brought. It's so much fun. It's fun being a Cubs fan. And, you know, the competition they're up against. You know, you're up against such a high level of competition in Major League Baseball right now. The best pitcher alive and maybe in the last 50 years is Kershaw. I mean, let's just remember in the year we won the World Series, 2016, we vanquished Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. You know, went right through. I mean, they went right through the teeth in 2016. They beat the Giants. The Giants were on even year. On an even year, it was like, oh, the Giants, they're they're going to do it again with a bad team. And they had Madison Bumgarner and they had Madison Bumgarner and Johnny Cueto both pitching like aces. Aces. Yeah. You know, I mean. And uh, the Indians said Corey Kluber, Cy Young winner, 
and Jeff Samar and Jeff Samarja was pretty good too, you know. For the Giants, yeah. Indians had Corey Kluber, and they had Andrew Miller, who was in the midst of one of the best relief seasons of all time in 2016. Man, it is this is this is crazy because this team is awesome. They, last year they just they just beat the Scherzer and Strasburg led Nationals. Yeah, and I mean the craziest fifth game, and it and it didn't feel like we had it didn't feel like we should have won that series, but we found a way to do so, and Mm. once again Joe Madden outfoxed Dusty Baker, and it worked the way it was supposed to, and we had trouble keeping up with the Dodgers, but we took the Dodgers' two best players. They're number two and number three best pitchers last year, or number three and number four best pitchers last year are now Cubs, Darvish and Morrow. Yeah. So the Dodgers lose two great pitchers, the Cubs gain two great pitchers, and that gap is suddenly a lot smaller. They're not. They're not going to find another reliever to make up for Morrow, most likely, and they're not going to fill the hole of Darvish with somebody as good. Right. It's not going to happen. And if they, even if they sign Jake Arrieta, I just it doesn't matter. They, the thing with the Dodgers and the reason they're projected for so much wins above, so many wins above replacement is because they have like eight guys who could be good big league starters. Yeah, it's I like, mean, okay, so do the Cubs, but the Cubs' top group is excellent. The, I, the I, two, three, four of the Cubs beats the two, three, four of the Dodgers. So, anyway. Yeah, I mean, the thing I'm unsure of. You know, with the Dodgers is, of course, you know, like what Chris Taylor will do this year. But, like, there's no way he does that good again. No, no but, I mean, they don't even need him to. You know, that's the thing. <laughs> right. They don't They don't even need him to, you know, and because they are very, very good. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, honestly, like, we could be developing our own kind of catcher situation, like what they have. Like, if Caratini hits at the major league level, that's going to allow us to flex out Contreras a little bit. Maybe not the same way you can do with, like, an Austin Barnes, because Barnes plays third base, plays second base, plays outfield. But, uh, yeah. But I mean, like, I gotcha. you know. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Cubs are here to stay. We got everything we wanted out of this offseason. We did. And for only money. Only money. I mean, I think that we can we can finally kill the Chris Archer trade rumors. Yeah. Finally. I mean, they're dead. Let the Twins overpay for that. <laughs> you know. You see the rumor that said they asked for Javi Baez and Addison Russell. Yeah, and the Cubs were probably like, ha-ha, <laughs> <laughs> So you're not trading him, eh? Okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> sure, we'll trade you our entire cost-controlled starting middle infield. Yeah, of course. Oh, man. I mean, they're not wrong, to, they're not wrong to ask for, uh, for those guys. Archer has incredible value, and they should ask for the moon, you know? Yeah, because they can go to the trade deadline with this. There's absolutely no reason they can't. So, I mean, if I were them, I would ask for the moon for him, you know. They won't be asking for it from the Cubs anymore, though. No. So, I'm excited. I this is this is a 
Oh, this is exciting. This is as excited entering a season as I've been because we've tasted the victory. We tasted the victory in 2016. We know it's great. We know it's sweet. And now we've got really like a really likable team on the field. Everybody, everybody we like is back, you know, and I guess this is the final thing here that we need to do is send off Jake, um, with a big thank you. I mean, he was awesome to watch from 2014 to 2016. Last year it was okay, but you could tell. Yeah, I mean, I. it's hard to see him go, but, like, I just – I think you have to appreciate what he did. His run of success from 2014 through last season is one of the all-time great stretches of Cubs pitching. Mm. And – it helped us win a World Series. And who was trying to razz him and then shut him out. <laughs> I mean, but I'm, I mean, I'm, I hope he gets a good contract. He deserves a good contract. Guy, you know, he's one of the best pitchers in the majors over the last four seasons, and he probably should be getting a really big deal. You know, My only like, issue. My only issue with anything is that, yeah, he's he's one of the best in the last four seasons. You're not wrong. But the last season and a half, he hasn't been one of the best. He's been very Lance Lynn-like. And that's not a, that's not a compliment. That's a, uh, just kind of out there. He, he often taxed the Cubs' bullpen in series and, you know, left after four innings and starts where he threw 100 pitches. Maybe he didn't give up any runs, but yeah. But like I've said, guy, guy, like I've said before, guys in free agency in recent years with similar concerns have made a lot of money, and mm-hmm. I don't think uh, this theory that the that everyone just woke up to the to the imbalance of free agency suddenly is not a theory I buy into. <laughs> you know, we, might, we, we might have to talk about that on the next podcast, though. Yeah, I mean, that's a, yeah especially absolutely. with some of these other free agents signed. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, kind of see what Jake gets and Cobb, Lynn, yeah. JD Martinez, Eric Hosmer. Because I think there's inherent problems with all those contracts if you sign any of them. But you know, and I think there's there would have been inherent problems with signing you Darvish to a full-on six-year, hundred seventy million dollar deal. But because I feel like the Cubs paid what they felt they deemed appropriate for. You know, guy coming off of Tommy John, coming off his worst year. If and I, I don't think Scott Boris and Jake Arrieta are going to evaluate him as though he is declining, losing velocity, coming off his worst year since 2013. They're going to try. They're trying to sell him as the 2015 pitcher, and you're just not getting that. I understand where the gap's going to be. I'm certain there's teams and player there's teams out there who offered him contracts in the four or five years, 110, 125 million. If he's not taking that, I just I, I, that's on them. I, there's nothing I can say at that point. I don't think that that's unfair, given his most recent performance. But yeah, if we're looking back, other pitchers are getting bigger deals off of similar performance. I see it happens. We'll see. Because he hasn't signed yet. We don't know. We don't know what he's going to do. 
he might still get a six-year, $180 million deal. Yeah. So I think that about wraps it up. Yeah. This was fun, and it's going to be a fun season. So we'll have to do some spring updates here. We'll have to do a spring update and a preseason preview yeah. upcoming. And we'll look out for those. Yeah, absolutely. We'll probably do... We'll probably do an overview of, you know, the division and stuff. and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get around to all our preseason stuff and our coverage of that. Uh, predictions. Yeah, all of Awards that. predictions. Awards predictions, yeah, for sure. Uh, featuring Mike Trout, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go ahead and call it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to call Carlos it. Carlos Stanton wins AL MVP. <laughs> oh, God damn you. <laughs> oh god damn you oh, oh, uh, oh we'll see we'll see there's a lot of good players in the AL this year the NL MVP just switched to the AL and then he now he's teammates with the AL MVP runner up um yeah that, be, that that's that's crazy that's I crazy. will be watching some Yankees games this year I can go ahead and confirm that I'm gonna have to watch Yankees games this year a few, a few yeah I I uh I will probably be watching some of those games for the Yankees this year uh, mm. on MLB.tv, but probably utilizing the opponents' uh, broadcasting teams. Um, <laughs> uh, watch some Houston games for sure. I need to try to get into get in and watch some Altuve. I need to try to watch some Shohei Otani and Trout on the Angels. Try to expand my horizon a little bit, but yeah, I'll watch yeah. every Cubs game. So. <laughs> All right, man. Um, So follow us. That's at DUS9Cubs here, at DG Bloomberg there, and at SingCubbyBlues for the podcast on Twitter. Yeah, and look out for my writing on Wrigley Rapport. I have, I I, a few weeks ago dropped a piece on the nature of ceilings in baseball and what it means for the Cubs' young players. And uh, I'm going to have one coming out soon about copycatting so send me those articles i i didn't know i did not see that you wrote an article so you need to send me that to me so i can read it and retweet it yes absolutely i will do that i have i have written a couple of articles myself but they've been on football i'm going to try to add some for baseball at some point but uh yes those on our twitter pages if you follow them so roger brown's article pretty good Enjoy yeah. that. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, trying to fix the Browns. Obviously, I didn't add Theo Epstein, but... I I, <laughs> I don't seriously know if that's something he would consider, but, like... He's, I would consider it. I'd go do it. He's done all he can do in baseball. He's already a baseball legend. He would be like... Maybe he just wants to, maybe he just wants to jam the Cubs till he retires. I wouldn't complain. <laughs> I'm thinking that... At the end of this contract, it's probably going to be Jed Hoyer's team. I'm put, I'm very I'm I'm very He's got all the data. You know I I think they'll if if McLeod is still around they'll move him up to GM. They'll move mm-hmm. Hoyer up to president, and I'm I'm very com- I'm very comfortable with that. Those guys yep. are great. You know those guys are really really good. I I'm comfortable with that. Uh, yeah, uh, but yeah. So anyway, anyways, have a great. Darvish is a cub. Yeah.
It's cool. It is. It's very cool. That's so cool. All right. Had to say it again. All right. We're out. Yeah, we're out. We'll we'll see you all soon. You Darvish is a cub. Yeah. Number 11. Bye. Bye. Bye.